We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And today we got a very, very special guest. Mm-hmm. We got Ryan Phillips. Yeah. Say, say hi, hi, Ryan. Absolute pleasure. Very grateful to be on the show, guys. Uh, I just hope everyone's having a great day and uh, let gratitude be the way. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan's a G, man. Like uh, We connected over Instagram, and as I started to learn his story, like... You know, one of the one of the points that I put out was, you know, going from pushing thousands of pounds of pot to riding thousands of miles on his bike for a message, you know, and like that's such a inspirational thing, you know. So thanks for reaching out. Thanks for joining us today to talk about families, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. You know, not just our own family, but our but the global family right now, especially in the current condition that the world's in. Uh, I believe that in no greater time in this great disconnect that we come become more united and connected as one and see if we can, uh, you know, rise above and pull each other up together. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Great. And I think, you know, uh, on that message, like the, the global family, let's, let's point out, you know, Ryan is from Canada, um, in case you hadn't figured that out yet. Yeah. And, uh, and it's great to connect with, with, uh, with people, you know, all over the country who, who Hey, you gotta have a Canadian connection. Yeah. We we don't really have one yet. So really appreciate it. it, But surprisingly quite a few hockey players. Yeah. Yeah, We do have quite a few hockey players. There must be a big thing in the alcoholic community to, to play hockey and become a drunk. I don't know. (laughs) It seems to be a common thread. You know, they call it the hockey culture and, Mm -hmm. you know, you leave home at a very young age uh to pursue your to pursue your dream of playing in the national hockey league and what comes along with uh you know in the in the canadian hockey league with whether or not it's the western hockey league uh the the ontario hockey league or the quebec hockey league if you guys are even uh, aware of those provinces of all you americans that are tuning in (laughs) but uh, that's the highest level that you can play in before playing in the nhl and there's all kinds of rookie hazing and bullying, um, initiations, rituals, and whatnot. And uh, a lot of that involves substance abuse uh, on another level. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Drinking, drugging, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the high life. So I left home. I just turned 16, and uh, I was literally, you know, thrown into, into the wolves. And uh, my coach uh, didn't care, uh, you know, what the older players did to us. Um, I was, you know, I don't, I'm not playing victimization mode here. I'm just be, you know, making people aware of this is what happened. You know, I believe that all alcoholism and addiction does stem down to trauma. Uh, most of the traumas, you know, experienced in childhood. And at, uh, when I just turned 16, I was definitely a child still. And, you know, so getting urinated on forced to drink, Mm. uh, stuck in the back of the bus, uh, naked, uh, with eight other players. I've explained this on other podcasts before. Um, people having panic attacks in there, being forced to drink, you know, forced to do these things, these yeah. decrepit acts with, with all kinds of things that the coaches and the management should have had a lot more control of. But yeah. 
you know, um, I'm just one of thousands and thousands of Canadians and, and some Americans and some Europeans that came to Canada um, with that dream. And uh, we, got, we unfortunately, but fortunately, because I believe everything happens for a reason, absolutely uh, endured things that most human beings never have to. And that's one of the reasons why I was actually uh, closely connected to helping children. Um, you know, over in Asia when I rode across Cambodia and then once again, uh, well, a few times and then obviously, uh, Canada in 2019. Yeah. I was yeah. wondering as you were, as you were sharing that story, if that's part of the reason how you got connected in with the child sex traffic stuff, you know, because one of the things that you do is a you have a Ted talk out there about, Ew. Well, uh, are they both are they both about child sex? One's about bipolar. No, one's, on, one's on mental health. And yeah. one's on uh, child sex slavery, uh, ending the economic epidemic. Yeah, and so that's what we uh, I did we did our best to do for a little while there, and you know it's a global uh, a global situation, obviously, and uh, not it's, it doesn't pertain just to Asia. It's it's all over the world. Oh, yeah. um, but I felt very connected to it. Because these children that had lost their innocence, um, I felt like a child that lost his innocence as yeah. well. Mm. And, you know, mine just led to destructive behavioral patterns such as alcoholism and drug use, obviously. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, maybe sending a lot of marijuana over the border at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think. I'm not know, the king of weed anymore. We, we really wanted you on the show. I think. Um, because our, our episode today is on, on families and I think you, you have a unique situation. Um, you, you obviously, you have your own journey with drugs and alcohol and, and, and you're not in that situation anymore, you know, gratefully, but you found yourself now the, the parent of a child who, who is, is struggling uh, with, with their own addiction. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Like how, how how you found yourself in that situation and and what it's like for you now? Well, you know, I, I know I put my, my parents through a lot, you yeah. know, them seeing, uh, you know, my, my growth as, uh, you know, from a, from a baby to, you know, where I am right now, um, and my journey in sobriety. Uh, my daughter and I were kind of estranged, so to speak, when I was incarcerated in 2000, and, uh, 2000 year 2000, September 17th, 2000, uh, I lost my freedom. Uh, and, for, and you uh, went to prison for a hundred pounds of, of pot, right? 103 pounds of high grade marijuana. I had a hiking trail that I'd found at the time. It doesn't matter really how it got across. The fact of the matter is so I was caught in a conspiracy mm-hmm. and I was the kingpin of the operation at the time. And, you know, I, it, was a, it was a business that I'd built, um, illegal, um, was caught on the other side of the border, told that I was never allowed back into the States uh, the U S which was, you know, I spent half my life in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. My daughter was in the States and, um, you know, being told that I was never allowed back there was definitely a blow, not just to myself, my daughter, this family, all family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the grief and the shame that I took on, obviously, you know, being inside for over 500 days without seeing the light of the day, um, really, really impacted uh, the family big time, especially my daughter, who, um, let's get to that, because that's the most important, is, uh, is saving Sadie, my, my daughter. And uh, there's a wonderful human being uh, by the name of Jim Thompson, and I know you guys have been in touch with him. Um, he's got a story. We all have got a story. Yep. We all have a story. Absolutely. 
And uh, I love Jim like a brother. And um, his message is so just pure and so amazing. And he's just all about giving back. And he stands for exactly what, what I stand for and what I look, look up to and what I respect about people the most is that people that give from their heart with no expectations. Mm. And um, unfortunately, my daughter, she suffered three concussions a few years back. And uh, that led into marijuana use led into methamphetamine use, uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, um, pretty much being trafficked uh, into a, in, with the Crips and the Bloods in Kansas. I'm, not, I'm, I'm in Canada. She's in Kansas with her mom. Mm. I did get a humanitarian award by going across uh, Cambodia, which was never supposed to happen, but because I believed it would, it did happen. The very next day, I got the, the AOK that I was... Uh, you know, uh, allow back into us as, uh, as a humanitarian for business and for pleasure. So things are going really good with my daughter when it first happened, but, uh, she took a couple knocks to the head, three, uh, three that we know of, but the third one was the one that, uh, the doctor said, you are no longer allowed to play anything, uh, that involves any contact. And that devastated her. Oh, I bet. She started getting into the drugs. Like I said, that uh, was the onset of schizophrenia methamphetamine uh, uh then gang life they grabbed her and uh you know soliciting trespassing you name it she's uh, she's a new mother uh child services took the baby about two months ago mm. uh she just got out of jail yesterday and uh jim thompson and i uh and it's, it was jim's wife rita uh just these people are just angels we had a, a team behind us that uh, we're going to help save my daughter. And we're not giving up. You can't give up. You can never give up mm-hmm. as long as we're breathing. And um, unfortunately, she got out and uh, her grandmother wasn't there at the right time. And she took off and she's now missing mm. as of yesterday. And we have no clue where she is. The, the only place that I could, that we can think that she's in is uh, probably what they call a trap house and, uh, or somewhere else, somewhere to, to obtain drugs. Um, and the sad thing is that she, I know she really wanted help and maybe her not seeing anyone there when she got out uh, threw her off so bad that she just ran. And yeah. we, know, we all know who, what that's like. Uh, the geographical side of, uh, you know, the addiction thing. Uh, I, I don't think I, I, I'm all over the map and been to 70 plus countries just because uh, I love to travel. Uh, I ran a lot for my demons. Yeah, sure. Well, and, and, wow. and I, I hate to hear about that situation with your daughter, but it, it doesn't sound like it's all too uncommon for, you know, any of us that have been in, in a similar situation because of drugs and alcohol. What What is that like for you as a parent? Have you gotten to a place now where you feel um, that you're that you're lovingly detached from that situation or or does it? Take its toll on you as a as a parent who who's been there. <laughs> well, am I am I wearing it? You know, look, it, right. it comes down. It's cause and effect. The, the thing is, is the causation happened quite some time ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, the, the the right medical wasn't addressed at the right time. You, you can't go back. You can't go back. You can only move forward in life. Right. And so, if I was to dwell on the fact that my daughter's missing right now and not focus on like that she's going to get found 
and things are going to fall in the play in, in, into place in divine order, then um, you know I, I'm not living my life to the fullest, and then I'm not rock solid when she's you know ready to get the help. So yeah. it's all about divine intervention at mm-hmm. the end of the day. You know, it's uh, uh, you know help is 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 usually for the most part readily available if we want it but we've got to want it and you got to want it bad right and uh you know there's no one foot in one foot out with the disease you know we obviously know that the the, the, the disease of alcoholism addiction has a contract on our head and uh i just hope and i pray and um you know uh my emotional intelligence tries it it, it, it gets me through uh, as much as i can but even though the heart aches like a, like a mad dog sometimes my god um acceptance it all comes down to acceptance mm-hmm. and uh attached to everything and uh actually connected to everything and attached to nothing right. really hmm. you know yeah i like i like the way you put that and and one thing that i got from from what you just said is is that it's important for you to look forward not backward and to stay rock solid so that when you know she is found or you know when you do have to show up for her you're able to be your whole self and i think that yeah. that's that's what i see a lot of times unfortunately in these situations is that it takes such a toll on the parents the family like i know i i did this mm-hmm. to my family willie i dare say you put your family through hell you know and it takes such a toll on the loved ones around us that they too are are experiencing their own trauma from our actions right. And and oftentimes, like when we're able to see them, hopefully, you know, detach enough to work on themselves so that when we're ready, us as the addicts and alcoholics, they can be their full and complete selves without that trauma, without that hurt, without that pain and show up for us when we're actually ready to receive that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, look, trauma really sets in at, at a cellular level. And us being spiritual beings, having a human experience, mm-hmm. really can, if we put our mind focus, have that detachment. Because this is just, you know, obviously a physical apparatus, which, you know, spirit resides. Our spirit doesn't want us to hurt. Mm-hmm. That The physical is the hurt. The, you know, the well-being part is, you know, obviously is when things are flowing and whatnot. Look, the human condition is obviously, there's a lot of suffering. And so it's how we cope with that suffering. So am I saying I'm okay every day? Like, oh yeah, like, yeah, my daughter's missing right now and I'm super happy about it. Uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said, you know, sure. like, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I hope she gets picked up and I hope she goes back to jail, which is sad to say, but jail is the best place for her right now. Mm-hmm. And when she's ready and when things fall into place though, as, as they do, then that will be the time. Yesterday wasn't the time. And, um, you know, um, there's, there's thousands of saving Sadie stories out there and there's a lot of happy endings and there's a lot of endings that don't end so well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't count up to 100 that I know of, of myself with addiction and murders and all that kind of stuff. I've lost so many people in my life that, um, you know, I just uh, I just try to do my best moment to moment to just do the next right thing. And hopefully that spawns a ripple effect uh, to, to, 
to the people that I'm surrounded in my energetic, uh, you know, say frequency mm-hmm. that I emit a power of love, you know, a power of giving back uh, with no expectations other than maybe uh, to get a smile out of someone once in a while, you know. So yeah. that's why I, I, I rode across the country because I just I wanted millions of people in the world to know that they're not alone and um, you know that they don't have to suffer. Um, we all suffer in the physical world, but having the coping mechanisms to not suffer as much, uh, especially without using. Yeah. 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 Very well said. I dig it. Yeah. You know, and I, I love how much you're talking about spirit, um, <clears throat> the spiritual physical connection. I think, you know, a lot of times we get, it, it can get construed. It can get kind of blurred that line between the importance of, what's going on with us inside of us physically, what's going on inside of us uh, spiritually. And you yeah. and I, you and I have been talking and you're dealing with, you're dealing with some, some past physical traumas that are oh. kind of leading up to understanding what was going on with your spiritual trauma. Right. And, and well, that's the thing. The body's got a mind of its own, you know, body is a manifestation of mind. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, that's why we feel bodily when we're stressed out and all that kind of stuff because our minds are like a two-way radio and we take on those vibrations and frequencies, especially with trauma. When we see things that come into our experience and we feel things, every single bit of trauma, every single bit of information since we landed on planet Earth is recorded into our subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And our subconscious mind is 10,000 10, times more powerful than the conscious mind so that's how like all that goes that's why we there's all these release trauma uh deals on you know sponsored instagram ads and facebook ads and whatnot where i mean really i mean i think i really truly in my mind if i had it if i had the answer and if i could put together a program that'd be for free is being able to reverse somebody's trauma because anybody that suffers from PTSD, complex PTSD, any mental health issue that stems from trauma, uh, in my mind, um, should be taken care of because it's what it's what takes people out. And with the pandemic going on right now, I know uh, talking to Jimmy Thompson yesterday, he was telling me that the suicide rates have gone up two hundred percent. So why did I ride across Canada? You know. I was, the next ride was going to be across the states, but then uh, the C word hit it, kicked in, and uh, unfortunately, I'd, I'd be out where you guys were probably right now. I'd probably be halfway across uh, the the mighty U.S. of A. Yeah, <laughs> a. Uh, yeah, it can it can still happen. That's for sure. That's one of the that's one oh, of the beautiful things about uh, sobriety and this new way of life is that as long as we're on this side, working towards it and learning about ourselves and learning about how to deal with our trauma and how to heal and how to help other people heal. The opportunity to continue to grow is always there. You know, I I love that I have this chance to really fulfill my life when, when something calls me towards doing something different. You know, I try to listen to that internal dialogue that makes my life better. You know, I try to not get into the negative fear space that tries to get me collapsed into this space where I'm alone, you know, cause that's really what my disease, that's how it expresses itself is by 
getting me to not connect with Cameron, not connect mm-hmm. with you, keep, you know, getting me into this alone space, try to convince me that I just need some, some time to myself so that, so that I can, yeah, yeah. Let, let me isolate and, and regroup. And, and that's where this thing really well, takes so, off. That's why so many people are going, are dropping like flies right, right now. It's like, what do alcoholics <clears throat> do? Isolate. You know, what do people with mental health issues do? I isolate right. people that get depressed. Uh, we've all been there. Uh, not all, but, but most people that are, that have, you know, gone through depression or have any form of say like mental illness or addiction problem, uh, spent, have spent a lot of days with the covers over their head in their head. And that is the worst possible place for an addict oh, yeah. or someone with mental health issues, uh, to be in. And I empathize so much because, I am that guy too. Some days it's hard for me just to put a shirt on. Mm-hmm. It is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But when I example. switch the channel, when I flip that <clears throat> switch, and I say, "Uh-uh, your mind's way more powerful than you think it is." Just go, just go. You're, you're safe and protected, and there's an infinite power source that's behind you. And I do believe that that source uh, propelled me across the countries that I've gone across. I don't know how many it's been now. <laughs> um, and if I didn't believe in that force, in that higher power, um, I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. I, I, I love that you use the word safe. Mm-hmm. I'm safe and protected. I talk about this all the time because mm-hmm. underlying, you know, at the at the end of the day, that's what I'm searching for. And that's what I've always been searching for is, is to yeah. feel safe and find a safe place. And I think that's one of the things that's so important in my own family, you know, because I think... And, and I've thought this for a long time. I think that I have my family, which would be, you know, me, my siblings, my parents, uh, my cousins, that kind of thing. And then I have my family, which would be me, yeah. my wife, my children, right? And then I have my recovery family, my community. Um, but within my family, you know, as the father and, and having had so much trauma, having had so much recovery, you know, working on this stuff. At the end of the day, safety is all that I'm looking for, right? That's all I've ever been looking for yeah. is that place yeah, of safety. It all comes down to the relationship we have with ourselves and the love that we're, we allow to ourselves to receive. So mm-hmm. if, we're not, if we're not receiving love, we don't have that opportunity to actually receive love as a child, and it's, it's it, like, I don't know how many AA meetings I've been to, I, I, but it's, it's the common denominator usually that most of the people in those rooms and most of the people even in the world that don't go to meetings that even aren't alcoholics that have issues, most of it stems in childhood. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and it's that lack of love. And when you're not like loved fully, how do you expect to love yourself? When, right. when you've been conditioned with certain paradigms, and if anybody doesn't know what a paradigm is, it's a, you know, a multitude of habits established over a long period of time. So when we're conditioned subconsciously and we don't know any better because we're just kids, um, you know, we take on those belief systems and uh, next thing you know, uh, we're searching for love. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us... Uh, we start searching for love in all the wrong places. For sure. And those wrong places could be a tavern. They could be a rave. They could be a, a, some big rock nightclub or in a music hall, a hockey game, a baseball game. Who knows? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we're just 
we just want to be loved. You know, mm-hmm. we, I, I believe that love is unconditional and, you know, like to express love to somebody is the highest form of service is Absolutely. just, just to show someone that you really care to get, get, get outside of you. Whenever I'm having a bad day, I, I just, I, I get, I try to get out of myself mm-hmm. and I'm like, what can I do to help somebody else? Mm-hmm. And whether that's just like giving a smile holding a door open and saying, have a great day. And if that's like all I can do, then that's good enough. You know, like not everybody has to ride their bike across the country or whatever. I did that for the people of the world that are suffering in tremendous silence. I did that also because I was mixed diagnosed with bipolar and I have post-concussion. But at the time I was like, oh, well, I'm bipolar. So um, I'm going to show, I'm going to do this for the people that are, have mental health issues like bipolar, alcoholism, any, any mental health issue, I'm going to show that somebody that has a multitude of isms and issues can go from you know, one end of the country to the next. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for Ryan. It was for the people. No, like, like you're the proof. Like, look, I'm, I'm the proof that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Because, right, like, like for me, like my – my self-worth, my self-belief has been so low at, at certain points that me being able to come out of addiction, me being able to come out and open up to other people and have relationships like I have, like, like that shows the proof, I think, like, like we're the example for the hard things to do. Like if I can do it, I know you can do it because at a deep level, there's still this, this belief that I'm not good enough for this. But then I do the action and it proves that I can do hard things. And if I can do hard things, then I know you can do hard things too. So come with me. Mm-hmm. Let me show yeah. you. Like, like we can do this together. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Let's do this together. And then together, collectively, we heal. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, making the commitment and following through always with, 100% may look different on one day than the next, but <laughs> right. Yeah. It's either you're either all in or you're, or yeah. you're not very and, well said. Yeah. Like, you know, I, yeah, I, I try to associate myself with people that, that are just like-minded and you know, my circle is very small. I have lots of acquaintances and I think that, but you know, right now um, with the current, current world situation, that's, so many friendships and relationships are actually being made online. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was anti that for quite yeah, some time. Sure. Me too. Um, but you know, we would like, we're actually really in the same room. It, right. it really, really feels like it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, uh, I'm surprised how, how connected I feel to you right now, even though you're in Canada, right? Cause our vibrations every, every, are, are, everything's energy and vibration. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. They're flowing. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, well, and I really appreciate, too, that, that we keep coming back to this idea that, I mean, that, that stuff that happened to us as a kid, you know, like, it is not easily, that trauma is not, it's not something that we easily move past or, or work past. Like, it, it's important for me to remember yeah. that it's a process, right? And you mm-hmm. said, Ryan, that, you know, remember that 100% looked different each day, that you still have days, you know, like, where you, you want to hide under the, the, the blanket, you know, and like... You know, not every day is going to be 
100% perfect. Like even this far down the road, even for somebody that's done the incredible things that you have, even for somebody that has over nine years sobriety, even somebody like me that has over five years sobriety, like every day is still going to be, there's still going to be those days where for whatever reason, right, it's just a little bit harder than it was the day before. And I think that it's important to remember and in those days and on those instances, for me, I'm speaking mainly to myself, that it is just the day. It is not an inclination. It is not anything that that, that means that your world is going to shit and that it's all no. going to end and that the other the other shoe is finally dropping, right? Because that's where my mind wants to take me. It wants mm-hmm. to tell me that this is the beginning of a decline and that yes. I'm, I'm now yeah. on my way out, you know? Absolutely. Well, the negatives inject themselves willingly, and we have to inject the positives. Uh, on, that's that's our job. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, uh, I, and as you get older, it, 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 it tends to get a little bit more uh, uh, intense, so to speak. You know, uh, the, the, the longer uh, of life experience, um, or the more you see, uh, or the more we've put in our body and abused ourselves with mm-hmm. that, with, with you know, using and abusing is trauma. You know, we yeah. traumatize our bodies with with with, with substance, and uh, not the right substance. That's for sure with uh, with this kid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, just uh, a message for all the kids out there these days that um, you know, coming from someone who is an ex international drug smuggler uh, who associated himself with really really bad people, and I am I'm lucky to be alive. You know, I'm I'm lucky I didn't get sure. my head. Uh, I'm lucky I didn't get shot dead. Uh, I don't want to get too graphic. What happened to a lot of my, uh, you know, associates back then uh, that are no longer. But uh, why wasn't it me? So right. uh, you know, I made a very conscious decision. I've, uh, you know, I hate that word. I, I, I. You know, this has always known that um, really the greatest forces are intangible. Um, you know, I've always known that. Uh, you know, from from a very young age, um, I was very aware that we are the creators of our own reality. Mm-hmm. I, I've 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 just and and been able to break that down. Um, so if you're in a hole and you know you've you know you've gone down that hole of uh, of uh, of an illusionary illusory um, you know uh, rut so to speak, of, a, of substance abuse, what's the way out of the hole? You know, there's, there's certain principles that we can actually step into and then take more steps. I think there's 12 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it works for some, some it doesn't work for. Um, you know, I, I've done those steps on uh, multiple times in my life. I don't know if I, I, I think I just love them now. I just right. I I, yeah. I don't need to do more step work. I, I maybe I do at this at this point in my evolution. Um, number one step right now is taking care of uh, of this so I can be of service to my daughter, mm-hmm. my family, and the world. Mm-hmm. I've dedicated the rest of my life to world service. So how that shows up, I just just I always just ask the universe, how can I be of service? And then all of a sudden, bloop! I got to go do this. Wow. So, yeah, that's great. That's, the universe has been keeping it pretty easy on me, but, but uh, the universe likes to test us too, right? So. Oh, yeah. 
That's been my experience. Yeah, sure. that's that's such smiling a great through, message. Smiling through man. the adversity isn't always the easiest thing to do, but we do it because uh, we can prove that it can be done. Right, and and to to be fair, we've all been through hell. Like we have some con- oh. we have some contrast to compare it to. Right, that's the thing. I'm you not unique. You know, like I'm on your podcast right now. This is a podcast, and I really, really sincerely hope that your audience can get something out of this. But at the end of the day, it's open conversation. Like mm-hmm. this is real. To mm-hmm. me, like if, if you can't be real, which is your authentic self, that's, you know, you're just a spiritual tryhard. Yeah. Spiritual is just a word. You know, if you're just being the true you, your true self, you're being a spiritual being, you're just being, you're mm-hmm. being, you're just you. Mm-hmm. There's no tryhards here. Huh. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, and I appreciate that. I, I think it's taken a lot of work to, to be okay with just being. You know, like it. Well, it's a, it's all about identity with a lot of people, and for for myself, it was Ryan, the hockey player. I didn't know anything right. else. I was just right. I was I was always Ryan, the hockey player, and mm-hmm. then I became Ryan, the weed smuggler. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. And then I became Ryan, the TED Talks guy. Ryan, right across the gut. Like I'm just Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm Ryan, and I've done a few things, and. Now everything I do, I just want it to be for the good of the people. That makes me feel good when I can put a smile on somebody's face or help another life. And, you know, there's there's people in my world right now that are trying to help me. And so my responsibility is to help others. That's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, a far cry uh, from... Uh, being the king of weed on National Geographic <laughs> with duffel bags and helicopters and planes going across the border. But uh, I never would have thought, saw this coming, you know, when I was immersed in that world. Um, I was, like I said, even on the show, um, I haven't watched the show, the whole show uh, completely, but, um, and you can, I'll share the link with, with, uh, with the free, uh, uh, raw TV. I think it was, I think it was, uh, yeah. Raw TV is the password. You can share it with all your audience and whatnot, which that's the National Geographic episode. And I'll send you even my own documentary that I, that I made. And, yeah, and we'll have uh, links for that re- stuff for sure. What's that? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put links for all that stuff in the show yeah, notes. Put yeah, put those links in. It's all about giving back. So, mm-hmm. you know, throw it out there. And if people can benefit, uh, then, uh, you know, I'm always there to, if I, to the best of my abilities, I'm there to be a service. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's sort of what it all comes back to. And and again, like what I really appreciate about what you're saying is just how, because I think that this gets lost like so much, like how we have to be there for us first, right? Like we've got to be there for us first so that we can then be there for our loved ones, for anybody that needs to be of service. But because if I'm not there for myself first, then I'm not 100% for any of those other people. Right. Yeah, like I couldn't be there for you guys and your audience right now if if I would have had crazy anxiety that my key was stuck in between the the, uh, <laughs> the seat and I was panicking going ah, but I actually was like four breaths in through the nose, six through the mouth, yeah, Buddha belly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because uh, the old Ryan would have been spinning like a one-legged duck, really all over the map. I got to get to this podcast where my keys. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, calmness of mind. Truly, is one of the most beautiful jewels to wisdom. Yeah, 
I like that. You yeah, know? me too. I like that. Yeah, thanks so much. I know, my mom tells me that. Slow the hell down. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Ryan. Well, and Calm I definitely, yeah, I, I definitely have to remember that in, in a lot of instances because I'm like that. I can totally just get you know, really frazzled, wrapped up in the moment or the pressure of the situation or whatever's going on. And sometimes I just have to stop, take a breath, realize it's not the end of the world. Everything will be okay no matter how it works out and, you know, and start from there. So I, I appreciate that reminder. Yeah. Absolutely. And just with anything in life, you know, like everyone talks about goals and setting goals and stuff like that. I always say, you don't have to know how, you just have to know that you will. Mm. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's like, no, I've got these goals and what, and if this happens, no, right. rephrase that. When it happens, mm-hmm. when this happens, then I'll go from this step to this step to this step to this step. You know, it's, uh, at the end of the day, you're just, you're, you're, you're connecting dots. You know, it's just, it all comes down. It's just, I hate to go back to the old marijuana business there for a sec, but that's how I built my marijuana empire was connecting dots. Mm-hmm. You know, it was West coast first and then over to the East coast and then back and then that, 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 that all over the map. Yeah. <laughs> all over the map. The that, that's, it's fair to years. say that's probably how you built your sobriety and your spirituality as well. You know, is by connecting Absolutely. the oh. dots and starting <laughs> at this point and growing on that and expanding on, the next thing and seeing, you know, the growth and, and continue to experiment and try new things and what works, we keep what doesn't work, we don't. And we just try to not go back to what doesn't work, which is the selfish, self-centered nature of the disease Mm. that everybody just gets harmed from. Yeah. And we also have to actually, when we're in a state of say anxiety or depression or any state that we don't like like our natural state of wellness we have to ask ourselves so we have to stop we don't have to but like try this all about awareness what am i attracting right now what am i creating right now what am i creating because everything's created by thought thoughts become things right so if i'm like feeling if i'm feeling crappy and lousy and then all of a sudden, somebody that I don't want to uh, call me calls, and I look, and I'm, oh, no wonder. You know, you got to think about what's going on in your environment. You know, the way you feel actually equals your point of attraction, so or your point of vibration. Because I, I, everyone talks about the law of attraction. To me, it's it's the law of vibration. Mm. Vibratory energy is rippling through the ether, just like we're talking on these uh, devices right now. It's all energy. Mm-hmm. So it's all energy frequencies. Uh, I mean, I, I go into philosophy, but the philosophy is already right in front of our face. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I'd say we're more or less evidence of that philosophy right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and be, and be, and, and be kind to yourself, you know, like you put in, you're going to get out input, output. So, so are you going to put, uh, you know, uh, not so good gas into into a you know a decent vehicle, mm-hmm. or you know you know like it's like this is a vehicle that needs to be fed with you know with good nutrients, lots of water. You know, like you can be sober all day, and you know if you're not drinking water and you know taking some good vitamins maybe and eating good food, um, you're gonna have issues probably with mental health or physical uh, uh, liabilities. 
Yeah. And on that note, like it always reminds me of, uh, of, you know, like our, our diet is so much more than what we eat or what we drink. You know, it has to do with the information that we put into our heads, the music we uh, listen to, you know, all that stuff. Like what, absolutely. All our that diet's stuff. What we think. Yeah. It has <laughs> so much of an impact, you know, on, on how we choose to live our lives that it's important that we're mindful about everything, everything that comes in contact with our body, with our mind, with our spirit. And so, you know, I, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. You know, we can be sober and miserable, you know, uh, yeah. very easily. That's why, I, that's why I like the saying, we practice spiritual progression, not perfection. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because actually at the end of the day, you're already perfect. You're already perfect. You just, oh, what you, a might great just need some, you might just need some polishing up. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> what a great message. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, thank you so much, bro. Like I, I could probably continue on talking with you on this stuff and I'd, I'd like to we like, always come, come back. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I want to roll into the war story now I'm, okay. I, because I'm really excited to talk about Raphael and in his story. Yeah. And, and part of the reason sure. that we, you know, chose the topic is because He's a he's he's the father of a drug addict. He himself, you know, usually on the show, we have addicts, alcoholics, uh, compulsive overeaters, self harm, uh, trauma victims, sexual. You know, tell tell their stories and what they've been through. Once in a while, we have uh, surviving. We had a surviving mother. Her name was Judy. Mm -hmm. She told her story about her son who she lost to a drug overdose, and now we got Raphael telling his story who like yourself has a daughter that's an addict and he tells his story about what it was like for him with her and like what you you got to listen to it you got to listen to it what'd yeah. you think what's great I, I thought it was great like he uh Raphael is, is is such you can tell he's so connected with his daughter and that you know it's it's so evident to see that what is happening with her and, and the addiction and then the problems that she's having to deal with is having a profound effect on, on him as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's just such, such a reminder to, to, to know that, you know, that, uh, that behavior affects everyone around us. Anybody that cares anything about us is, is generally affected by, you know, our, our, our choices and, and the addiction and, and, and what it is that we go through when we're in that state of mind. Mm -hmm. And so it was great. It was such a, it was such a, a, a great story and, and, and a refreshing yeah. change of pace. Yeah. And yeah. what did you think yeah, about that? Yeah, getting a little right? emotional here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's powerful. You, you were there. Yeah. I mean, you you know what it's like to be to be in Raphael's yeah. shoes. My eyes go bluer when I get emotional. <laughs> Start having a few tears. Is that a Canadian but thing? We're we're grown men and we're allowed to cry. So that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I just won't ball my eyes out until until we're offline. Okay. <laughs> so, uh. but uh, yeah, you know, there's so many fathers out there and parents. Mm -hmm. I'm a single father, sorry, so I say fathers. But uh, um, you know, Raphael, hats off to him and uh, and his child, and um, so so many stories these days with their kids uh, that are suffering from, you know. With the the stuff out there these days just isn't, and this is what I was going to say before with the kids, you know, leading, I was leading into, it's not pure these days. It's being cut in with all kinds mm -hmm. of fentanyl and just terrible, terrible substances that 
aren't real. You're not actually doing cocaine anymore. You know, like right. like back in our day, like I know it was real. Um, these days, it's being stomped on. Uh, you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, I know meth is a huge problem in, in North America, especially. And uh, I mean, the stuff's made in bathtubs, yeah. and people's mm-hmm. basements, and stuff like that. Like, it's not. Oh, I know a guy. I got the. I my guy's the guy that has the pure stuff. Mm-hmm. Well. I know a guy uh, who just passed away about a week and a half ago, a friend of mine, uh, that he knew a guy that he thought he was getting the pure stuff. And he left two children and a wife uh, behind. Right. And uh, that was one line, one, one, one line of, of cocaine that had fentanyl and he dropped and had a heart attack at 36. Mm. So, um, yeah. scary. Do we, do we, do we need any more proofs these right. days, especially yeah. these days with, you know, with the suicide rates up with, uh, you know, with people dying from addiction left and right, uh, do we need any more proof that uh, the drugs on the street are, are more prevalent than ever, more abundant than ever because of the prices and the quantities that are coming across the border? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the global pandemic is mental health and addiction. And then you add on COVID on top. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I would really like to see the numbers. I'd like to see the numbers of like, how many people have passed away from COVID and how many people have, uh, how many people have passed away from addiction, COVID mental health, or sorry, mental health, addiction, COVID. I'd really like to see those mm, numbers, like what, what they are. I, I guarantee you hundred percent that mental health and addiction has taken out more people than that, than the actual COVID disease. Mm. I believe that. Yeah, I believe it too. Yeah. So. Well, I know when, when you talk about two hundred uh, percent with with the suicide rate here in Canada, we're thirty three million people. You guys are almost four hundred. Yeah, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, yeah. Or as COVID, us. COVID. I mean, you know, COVID. We're all we're all affected by it, and part yeah. of the yeah. part of the thing that you know struck me with like with Raphael's story is his daughter's you know final stint in treatment. You know, she was finally mm-hmm. able to come home because of COVID after yeah. three months in treatment, and kind of got cut short. Now she, now she's doing better. So I think, yeah, with with that, we'll let Raphael tell his story, and he, I mean, it's great. So he can tell it better than us. So what do you yeah. say? With that, without further ado, here is Raphael's story. Hey, uh, my name is Rafael Gordon. Um, I was asked by my good friend, Will, uh, to share my story about uh, my daughter. And uh, it's interesting because during one of our uh, exercise sessions, Will had, um, uh, you know, told, I heard that, you know, he did a video with uh, Patrick and a a gal named Judy, Patrick's story and then Judy's story about her son. And I even, I just thought to myself, I'd love to tell that story. You know, just thought to myself, I didn't mention anything to Will. And the way things worked out, he asked me. And so we were on this, this connection. It was pretty cool. So here we go. I'm going to uh, tell you, um, I'm 53 years old, um, currently live in San Francisco uh, with my two kids and my girlfriend. Um, the story I'm going to tell is about my daughter, um, and she's 26 right now. I'd say um, the th- things started to go haywire. Right when she was in um, 
I would say middle school and we were living in the East Bay, which is about 50 miles east of here. Uh, I had recently gone through a very, very contentious divorce and the kids were back and forth, which I believe caused a lot of issues just to begin with. Um, in that time, my daughter uh, experienced some um, very, very traumatic experiences that she does not want me to share, but uh, I'm sure you could figure it out. It's one of the worst nightmares that any parent could uh, imagine happening to um, their child. And, and we didn't know about it until a few years later what had happened. And um, so things started to get weird. She went from being an A student, excellent in school, to um, getting in trouble. I would get phone calls. Oh, your daughter stole this. Oh, your daughter got into a fight. Oh, your daughter. And it's just like it was just one thing after another. And she was probably 13 or 14 at the time. And the behaviors just started to manifest into uh, drugs. And I, I caught her with, you know, here's a 16-year-old with a bag of weed. A little background on myself. I'm a, I'm a firefighter paramedic. Um, and so I deal with this all the time. All the time we deal with people with drugs and alcohol. And, and we see the, the effects of this. The last thing you can imagine is having your kid uh, go through this. And... Um, so, you know, I'm going, okay, at the time I'm thinking, that's ah, just weed. We all smoked weed. We all drank. But the behavior started to get worse and the fights and uh, she was stealing from stores and all sort of stuff was happening. Um, I ended up uh, petitioning the courts to move back to San Francisco because our neighborhood uh, got really bad. The house got broken into um, and it turned out that um, the home invasion was done by uh, some kids that knew her. And while she was there, they came into the house, they ransacked it, they stole my guns, uh, valuable stuff. And I, I, at the time, I remember coming home when that happened. And the neighborhood was so bad that I, um, you know, I used to carry a gun on me. And I guess these kids had just left because the, there was a beer over there. I'm like, I looked, I got to the table. I, I don't. I wasn't drinking beer. Uh, so how's it there is a beer? And then I noticed the place was completely uh, ransacked. Um, so we left, came back to San Francisco. Um, as we uh, transitioned into this lifestyle over here, I got my kid into um, some high schools. And, um, and when I say high schools, it's because she kept getting kicked out. She ended up getting kicked out of seven different high schools. I remember a particular time, when I, I was sitting down with the, um, the principal, I got called into the office with the assistant principal, sorry. And she says, look, we got your daughter here. And uh, she was involved in a, in a pretty big fight. And I'm like, okay. And I look at my daughter and she goes, no, nah, well, that's not true. I, I didn't get in any fights. So they pull out a computer screen and they show my daughter bashing this kid's head in. I mean, just like, bam, bam. I'm like, whoa, you know, I didn't even imagine she was capable of such violence, you know. So, um, and then I'm getting calls from her counselor. She's getting drunk at school and things are not right. Okay. She ends up doing a lot of bad stuff. And I, um, and much to my regret now, I ended up kicking her out and said, hey, you can't do this. I was overwhelmed. The stress was just killing me. Um, so I kicked her out um, and she ended up, you know, living with, I don't even know who, probably some street kids or whatever. And, uh, 
she got into some behaviors that, and it's another thing she doesn't really want me to talk about, but stuff that was not good for her age. And I think at this point she was probably 17 or 18. Um, she ended up getting pregnant and that was a very, very difficult um, time because she ended up having an abortion. It's one of these pill abortions. It was horrible. Um, and I, I'll never forget, I'll never forget. She asked me to, uh, um, to take the uh, aborted fetus and bury it, you know? And so we went up to this mountainous area and we buried the fetus. And I just like look back on that and I go, I wonder if we had kept that, you know, if she had kept that kid, if I was cool with that, would we have not been in the situation that we ended up going through? So that was that. Um, I started noticing that, you know, she was doing the nod off, you know, the, the, the opioid nod off thing. And I was in denial. I'm like, she goes, I go, yeah, I take a Vicodin for the pain. Well, what happened was the doctors prescribed her Vicodin for the pain from the abortion. The Vicodins, I believe, turned into Oxy. And when all that ran out, the Oxy turned into the needle. And so she went on about a six-year streak where she was living in, in um, what we call SROs. They're single resident occupancies. You know, you rent a room out or living with friends. And she was uh, just a straight-up addict, uh, heroin, fentanyl, you name it. She was doing that. I believe she was getting involved in the meth thing too and, and other illicit behaviors. Um, there, a time came when she wanted, at least show said that she wanted to get better. And um, so we sent her to some rehab facility. It was down in Beverly Hills, not, I'm sorry, um, Palm Desert. It was one of these high end ones and uh, they didn't really do too much for her. But when, before we got her in there, I, I brought her in the house and she was jonesing and she's like, dad, I, I got to do this. And as being a paramedic, I understand, you know? And so I had to watch her put a needle in her arm and do heroin as she calls it, uh, cooking up a shot. I guess that's what they say. They cook. So I can't explain to you like what it feels like as a parent to watch your daughter, the kids you used to change her diaper, the kids you used to take the swim class to ballet or to whatever, you know, drop her off at school, pick her up, your little baby, and to watch them literally, you know, put that needle in that arm. Um, so that, that didn't work out. Um, that didn't work out. We brought, my brother ended up driving her down to Palm Desert to, I think it was the Betty Ford Clinic. She lasted there about three or four days uh, then they pulled the uh, bamboozle on us and said, hey, your insurance is not covering. You got to pay us $20,000 or something like, all right. So she came home, went back to her old ways. That went on for quite a few years, at least two or three years, I believe. And um, so every day that no matter what was going on in my life, if my life was a 10 on a 10 scale, like, you know, work was going good, everything was going good. It wasn't because that thing that sat in the back of my head was if she's not okay, I'm not okay, no matter what. And I struggled with that constantly. I went for uh, therapy. I tried everything then. And um, I finally uh, got connected with this program. It was called Save a Warrior. Uh, 
Save a Warrior is a program um, that was designed to assist first responders and military guys with their problems, everything from PTSD to family problems to drug addiction to everything. And it was, believe it or not, it was free. And uh, I flew down to LA. It was a five-day program. They taught us how to meditate. They taught us how to love. They taught us how to connect. They taught us about gratitude, um, everything. So you're, and so my deal was the guys go, hey, this was in September of 2019 when I went to this program last year. And um, they said, uh, and they're all these guys are all 12 steppers. They call them wounded warriors, you know, ACA, AA, Al Anon, all that. They said, Raf, you can't help your daughter until you help yourself. So I started to get my shit together and do what I thought was best for, um, you know, to get me prepared. I, I do. I swear to you, I, I was at that position in life where I was prepared for the knock on the door that said your daughter's dead or the phone call. I had to prepare for that because uh, there was a time when she got um, into an altercation um, and they took a hammer to her head. And I got the phone call from the general hospital. And I, I know a lot of the staff over there. They go, we got your daughter over here. She had 30 stitches. I still got the picture. And I'm like, okay. So... That was an attempted murder. The guy tried to kill her somehow by some God miracle, miracle of God. She survived that. Um, but still, you know, and I remember her thinking that this dude's going to come and get me. And I, I ended up calling this guy and I, and I actually told him, I, he didn't know who I was. And I said, if you ever talk to this person again, my daughter, I go, I'll kill you and your whole family, you know? So, uh, dude, I'm, I was in such a weird mindset. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. I came out of this program and I started doing these Al-Anon meetings and started working on myself. And December of 2019, I get a phone call from my ex-wife and she goes, you know, our daughter's in jail. She got picked up on some parole violation. Now, she had been picked up before with my assistance. I actually did a ride-along with these bounty hunters, and we were looking for her, passing out pamphlets, trying to find her. I wanted her to go to jail. I wanted to get her in there um, simply because I thought jail for her would be a better situation than, um, than what she was in. So in San Francisco, there's such, a, there's such a liberal county here that they let her go after one day. Well, luckily for us and for her, she got picked up in the neighboring county, San Mateo County. They don't F around over there. And they kept her for two weeks. And I remember talking to her, you know, you got to call up that whatever you pay to talk to them. And, and she's like, dad, I'm, I'm sleeping on a metal bed. They wake us up at three o'clock for breakfast. They wake us up at six, you know, for roll call. And if you miss roll call, they throw you in the hole and all this stuff, you know. And so she came out of jail and said, hey, I'm ready. Um, and, um, I said, okay, I said, all right, I'm going to give you, this is your last chance. I, I don't know if I can do this again. We ended up through, through trial and error, finding a, uh, a facility here, Erds and Concord. It's a little bit East of here. And, um, they took her in, they were kind of a newer facility, but my ex-wife knew uh, the director and, and they did it, you know, they charged the insurance, but we didn't have to come out of pocket because it's stuff's expensive. And after about three months uh, of being there, COVID hit, and she came home. 
she came home uh, from the facility after three months, clean off of heroin, but on Suboxone. And that's another thing. That's, uh, that's another, the, the methadone and the Suboxone, I could go into a whole diatribe about that, but I'll spare you. Um, so she ended up coming off of the, she weaned herself off by herself off the Suboxone. And it was hard to watch her because the same thing, you're going through withdrawals, whatever. So um, right now, as we speak, uh, she has been clean for a year. She is exercising. She's doing her 12 steps. You know, she actually made amends uh, not too long ago. And that was, dude, that's the first time I cried in a while to hear the stuff that she had to say. I was amazed and I feel, I feel so fortunate. Um, especially after I hear a story like Judy's story and she lost her son and, and my heart breaks because I, we were, we were minutes away from that happening. That could happen to anybody. And then the stories of, of the tens of thousands of other kids that have lost their life to these opioids. Um, so I, all I can say is I'm grateful right now. I hope this lasts. I, you know, I wish the best for her. We're in a very, very good spot right now. I'm never going to shut my doors on her, and but I got to keep an eye on her. I got to, I got to make sure that, you know, she doesn't fall backwards. So my whole life right now is great, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. But it, it came after years and years of very difficult um, experiences, um, not only for, for her, but for me and her mom, and you know. My girlfriend saw what was going on. Her brother saw what was going on. Um, so, I mean, all I can say is for parents that are going through this is watch your kids. I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, you know what? A lot of times we want to be our kids' friend. We ain't our kids' friends, maybe when they get older. But you're, you're their example. They may not watch. They may not copy everything you're doing or emulate you, but they're watching everything you do. So I look back on it and there was a lot of decisions that I could have made that I, I could have made better. I should have, I, I mean, I wish I could, but you can't really, uh, there's no time capsule, right? So we've got to deal with what we got to deal with. Um, there was times where I was drinking and doing bullshit that I shouldn't have been doing. And that detracted or distracted me from the, you know, I, I wasn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see what was going on when it was happening until, until it was too late, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm grateful. And, and if there's anything I can do going forward, I always will reach out and, and help parents out because you know what the anxiety and, and the depression that this causes to see your kid go through this is it's, immeasurable i can't even describe it it's so uh you know we need to get a hold on this um get a hold of this opioid situation because it's affecting everybody it's i don't care if you're white black asian hispanic rich poor middle class it's hitting everybody somehow these these kids are getting this powder and and, and i tell you what man as a I spent the last two years of my career working as a paramedic captain, almost on a daily basis. And uh, I saw four to five fentanyl heroin deaths every single shift that I work. And it didn't matter. They were young, old, whatever. 
and um, it, it, it was sad to see. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I wish the best for everybody. Um, so I think that's about it, man. I don't know if I have too much more to say. I'm kind of... Uh, So like I said earlier, I, um, I will do anything and help anybody um, get through this. If you ever need to talk, you want, you know, you're concerned about something that's going on with your kid, reach me out. I can be found on Instagram. It's uh, RAFG underscore 728. It's R-A-F-G underscore 728. Or you can email me RG728 at yahoo.com rg728 at yahoo.com um you know i have a a saying that i i go if there is a doubt there isn't a doubt if you think something's going on something's going on don't 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 like not do something because uh and i'm not saying you don't don't go out there and you know overreact but make an educated decision talk to somebody because like i said if you think something's going on i almost guarantee you something's going on um, and with that being said, I, I wish you guys all the best. And uh, Will, thank you for allowing me to do this. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Man. Awesome. Uh, I, can I just say how, how much I love Raphael? Like, I just got to gotta throw this out there so that the world can see. I'm repping the Burpee Mafia Burpee shirt. Burpee Mafia. Uh, designed by Raphael. I one. I, I need a rough one in Canada. Uh, the only way to get one of these is to join us for our morning burpee session every day at 5.15. We get together Ooh. and do 100 burpees. Uh, we've been doing it every day f- since August. Um, haven't missed a day. So, Raphael. Can I do a virtual one on, in, the, uh, in the forest behind my house? Yeah, yeah. it's all virtual. Uh, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you some links and some information on how to, how to check it out. So, uh, so what did you think about, uh, what'd you think about Raphael's story, man? Jesus. It is, uh, powerful mm-hmm. what he was willing to do. And still like, like it's hard for me to even say the word abortion, let alone say he buried his daughter's aborted baby yeah, as part that, of his story. That like, got me. That is... So powerful and like, who knows, right? Yeah. Well, if there's ever any doubt that that the things that we that that we as addicts put our family through, like that is just a a, a very a very specific point, like an exclamation point to that idea, right? Like this is the trauma that those around us have to experience mm-hmm. generally because of our, our, our addiction and, and the things that we go through and just willing to do it for the love of his daughter. Yeah. And right. it was really that, that sort of that point that, that really took her down that road of opiate abuse, right. you know, that led to the heroin that she eventually was doing and, and, you know, and, and hearing him talk about having to watch her shoot up, knowing that, you know, like she needed that. And, and him as a, as a protector and a firefighter and a paramedic, knowing that, yes, she does need to do this. And, yes, I have to watch her do this. And, yes, it's breaking my heart to have to watch my daughter mm-hmm. do that. I mean, his story was, was, was powerful. Yeah, not for the faint of heart, yeah, for sure. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, hit home hard. I bet. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was almost perfect timing. It's like I, I watched it uh, right as something very similar is happening in my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hit home. And to know sure. you're not alone and, you know. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. You know, he, the the progression, he, he speaks of the progression really well, you know, talking about, you know, going through the divorce, watching the behavior start to change, watching her start hanging out with that different crowd. You know, because that's, you know, like the progression, we hear it from the story of the addict all the time. Like this thing happened in my life and I started doing this and then it progressed. But Mm -hmm. hearing it from Raphael going, you know, we went through this thing together. We went through this divorce together as a family. It was super ugly. And then from my perspective, I started watching my daughter change in these areas. And then, you know, getting all the way into where she was being super violent and just being dumbfounded by her ability to be that violent and having to watch that on camera, you know, as she's bashing this other guy's head in and then it going from her doing that to her getting that, you know, to almost being murdered by, you know, her, her boyfriend or Mm -hmm. significant other or, uh, and, uh, you know, coming out of that alive, but not, that's not enough for us. Right. Yeah. Right? That's a, it, it takes what it takes. And sometimes, you know, like when we, when we hear that what it takes for other people, it can be so nerve wracking. And so just, how are you going to come back from that? You know, like mm-hmm. so difficult for us to understand. And, and luckily we get to know that, you know, the ending of that story is that she, she's a year sober right now, right. which is, which is that's beautiful. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, it it's just it's wonderful to know that that all that stuff can happen to her and and happen to him you know and they can both come out of it stronger with a more a more you know a, a stronger relationship with each other a stronger relationship with themselves and and what i really liked about Raphael's story is he talked about you know needing to take care of himself yeah actively working you know like through Al-Anon and and other support groups the, the wounded warrior group to really try and figure out you know like how how to best take care of himself during this this trial with his daughter mm-hmm. And I, and I think that, you know, if there's one thing that I, I could tell family members is it's exactly that, like educate yourself, like, you know, figure out what you need to do for you so that you can handle what's happening in a loving and detached way so that it doesn't have that negative impact yeah. on you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, I, and I, I would be, I would love to hear your perspective as, as somebody that's sort of in that situation right now, Ryan, like, if you could tell anybody to a parent who, who who's having to watch their kid go through this, like what would it be? Just have faith and belief and take action when needed, you know, um, unconditional love, no matter what, uh, we, the three of us know that, uh, when someone is in active addiction, they're not thinking correctly mm-hmm. or whatever correctly is supposed to be in mainstream society. So, um, a lot of choices are obviously, um, you know, uh, misconstrued and, uh, you know, disgruntled, so to speak, and just all over the map. Um, it's just so sad, uh, Mm -hmm. that 
something can do, you know, a substance can actually mess with somebody's psyche so bad that, um, you know, for the, it's the ripple effect to the parent. Like, so how, how am I affected by it is that if I feed into the ghost, then the ghost is going to haunt me. Right. You know, so Mm -hmm. I try to have, it's that detachment. I literally, I have no choice. Well, I do. It's my choice. I can say just like the choice to be happy. You're only, it's like that Abe Lincoln thing, you know, you're only as happy as you allow yourself to be. So, I mean, I can allow myself to detach and be as happy as I allow myself to be or what's the opposite? Carry. I can be miserable. Yeah. Yep. I can be, you know, pacing around thinking like, oh, my life, it's a waste and this and that. But, you know, that's, that's no good to, uh, to, to what I believe is, is, is everybody's purpose on, on this world should be contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you uh, be a contributing, contributing factor to uh, society, uh, when you're not, uh, on f- uh, solid bedrock, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Like I, I just, I appreciate you reaching out to Raphael and I yeah. really thank you, Raphael for, for your yeah, story. Thank you, Raphael. It was so now great. we're friends for life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really like, and that's, you know, like that's the beauty of, of this show and, and, uh, and, and hopefully the beauty of what we're able to do here is connecting with people like you, Ryan, people with you, like you, Raphael, um, people who know all sides of, of what this, what this looks like, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and we're all in the same goal to, you know, try and better ourselves so that we can be a better service to others, you know? And so I, I appreciate knowing that. Everybody that we come in contact has a like-minded goal. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I, I feel good about Absolutely. that. I just want to feel safe. Absolutely. So, Ryan, thank you, man. How, how, thank what, you. What do you, you know, what do you want people to know? How can people find you, support? Um, people can find me. Uh, I'm not a big Facebook guy, but, uh, you know, I'm on there once in a while just so I can uh, speak with my friends. But uh, I usually do the messenger thing. But, uh uh, Instagram, uh, it's, uh, Ryan Phillips warrior. And, um, I got a podcast that's going to be launching fairly soon. We're just, uh, finishing up the branding and, uh, that's going to be with Jim Thompson, who is just a wonderful human being that I mentioned before. Uh, and another gentleman by the name of Elvis Stoiko, who's, uh, like a national hero in, in our country. Uh, he's a figure skater, uh, ex-professional figure skater, world champion, and been to the Olympics many times. And uh, him and Jim got a really a good relationship now. Uh, Elvis is going to be doing some uh, some business with um, with Jim on the hockey spectrum with skating and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so we thought, why not the three of us get together on a panel and uh, you know pump out our own podcast? So yeah. um, all over the map with. Uh, Elvis Stoiko and Jim Thompson will be uh, coming soon. Nice. Awesome. We'll be pumping that out. Yeah, and we'll definitely uh, include some links to some of Ryan's greatest greatest hits. Um, Ryan's greatest (laughs) hits. (laughs) He's got a couple documentaries, uh, some TED Talks. Maybe I should send you a picture of the concussion I sustained. You can put that in the middle. Had a concussion. (laughs) That's why he did that. He had some sense knocked in him. Yeah, well, it takes what it takes. We always talk about that, sir. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. bro, thank you, you so all, much. You gotta give it all you got while you're here, right? Hell yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I like that message. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks so much for coming on. And, and absolute pleasure. 
And with that, absolute pleasure. Yeah, with that, I think we'll sign off. We'll tell the world goodbye. You want to? You want to? You want to tell everybody goodbye first, Ryan? Absolutely. I just uh, my heart goes out to anybody who's suffering out there right now or having a bad day. And um, you know, I wish infinite health and well-being to everybody. Uh, my prayers go out to anybody that has lost anyone through addiction, through mental health issues, through COVID, whatever it is. Um, my heart goes out to you, and uh, just infinite gratitude. Always, you know, okay. that's uh, that's something that we always got to remind ourselves of. That there's uh, there's always someone worse off. Appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. And want to thank everybody for listening, watching, tuning in, liking, subscribing, all the things. With that, we will see you on the other side. You are worth the work. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.